Good morning, everyone. It's really good to see you. Uh, I hope you're doing well. Um, This morning, I was planning on beginning a new series in the book of Ephesians. And even last week, I encouraged you to read it this week ahead of this message. But I've decided to delay it a week. So I apologize if that is a disappointment to you. But uh, I believe that as I was thinking about what to bring, and it was this morning (laughs) what I was thinking, uh, I just believe that the Lord gave me something else to share with us this morning. And it's particularly because in this time of life, in where our church is at at the moment, I think there is a particular need uh, for us to pay attention to prayer and to increase our praying together as a church. And the reason is, is because, as you are well aware, there's been a lot of changes this year in our church. There's been a fair bit of upheaval, and and there's been a lot of uh, hurt for many people. Uh, We have moved to two services, which is different. Uh, There's many people who are adjusting to a new church family. And, uh, And further than that, we are seeking God for a number of breakthroughs, for more ministry space, for wisdom and guidance about our next steps as a church. As you just heard, uh, we are seeking a new associate pastor to help with the pastoral leadership and needs of this congregation. And it's really easy sometimes in leadership to just try and plan your way out of these things. You have a whole bunch of needs and you have a whole bunch of problems and you think, well, let's just get together and let's just plan our way out of it. And to be honest, that's often quite dangerous. I'm not sure exactly what God wants us to do. We have a building fund and we've been seeking uh, to at some point purchase a a building. Perhaps God wants us to do a sending work, a planting work. All of these things, we need to come before God. You know, more than just some of these needs of the church corporate, there are many personal needs that I'm aware of in the life of the church, difficult things, things that people are going through in our church family. Uh, very personal things where they are things that they're so big and they're obstacles that people can't see their way out of. And so I believe it's particularly important right now as a church that we turn our face toward God in prayer. There's always work to do in the church. There's always things to be done. There's always things you can busy yourself with. But our most important work is the work of prayer. Hudson Taylor said, when man works, man works, but when man prays, God works. God works. And this morning, I want to bring this brief word, and it is a call to prayer. It's a call to prayer together, but also a call to prayer for you in your own personal life, in your own household and family. Perhaps it has been a season where prayer in your life has dried up, or maybe you've become cynical about prayer, or you've had your head down and in your problems and you haven't really had the heart or the will or the desire to actually bring those things up to God because, you know, what's the point? You know, sometimes we can get quite discouraged in prayer because we come before God and we feel like God never seems to answer and he seems silent. And so sometimes it's easier just to not worry about praying at all. I want to call us to prayer this morning. Uh, So I want to invite you to turn to Acts chapter 4. And um, 
The book of Acts is a, is a book about the church and it is also a book about the Holy Spirit and it's a book about prayer. And uh, I want to give you a bit of a background, just brief background leading up to Acts chapter 4 and the situation that is happening there. But we know that in the book of Acts, Jesus gave his disciples a mission in Acts chapter 1 before he descended and he told them to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. Remember what the promise of the Father was? It was for the Holy Spirit to come upon them. And so Jesus was basically counseling his disciples, don't go without power. Don't go into this world without power. Wait for the promised Holy Spirit. Uh, Acts 1 verse 8, he says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We know that in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, uh, the Holy Spirit come upon them and Peter spoke with boldness uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ and it cut the people to their hearts. On that day, 3,000 people were added to the church. By the end of Acts chapter 2, we see that the church by nature is a praying church. They don't know uh, prayerlessness. They are a praying church. Prayer is the normalized state of the church. In Acts chapter 3, uh, Peter and John, they come across a lame man. And they heal the lame man and it causes an uproar amongst religious leaders. And so in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John, they're hauled off, they're arrested and they're brought before the council. You remember there's that interesting thing where the religious leaders, they are struck by the fact that these seem to be common, uneducated men, and yet they are speaking with such boldness. And we know, of course, that this is because the Holy Spirit had come upon them. The very the breath of God had come and mingled with their soul. And this is one of the most beautiful things about uh, what it means to be a Christian is to have the Holy Spirit, is to have the Spirit at work in you, the promised power of God, the empowering presence of God who lives within us. And whilst having the power of the Holy Spirit, the very power that raised Jesus from the dead lives within us, what we notice here about this is that the disciples nevertheless do not go into autopilot when it comes to their ministry, when it comes to the way that they continue and progress in their ministry. Because notice from chapter 4 verse 23 it says that when they were released, as they were released from being arrested, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. See, they started a prayer meeting. In their time of need, they started a prayer meeting. They turned their face toward God to ask for fresh help. Fresh strength in time of need. Come down with me and have a look at verse 31 at the result of this. It says, And when they had prayed, when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. What was the ingredient of their speaking with boldness? They prayed. They prayed. The church prayed together and God came in power to strengthen them in their time of need. I want to point out six things about this prayer meeting that took place that I think would help to spur on and start our engines in prayer. When it comes to us both personally in your life, with what you're facing, 
and also with what we are facing together here as a church, as a local church in the inner west of Adelaide, the first thing that we see is that they did not rest on old power for new challenges. They didn't rest on old power for new challenges. They had received the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, the indwelling power of God. But now, here at Acts 4, they have new challenges before them. There is a new opposition that requires fresh strength. And so they come together in prayer to seek God for his help. You know, isn't it easy for us as a church and individually to rely on old power? Is to rely on old stories. And we have old stories of how God has worked in our life and among us. And it's very easy to kind of rely on those things, but not with a sense of urgency in our time of need, seek to come to God and ask him to do a fresh work. And it's so easy, particularly at a church level, as a whole church level and church leadership, to just go to this place of autonomy, where you stick the church into autopilot and through our giftedness and through our organization and through, you know, just the letting things play out, we do not come to God with urgency anymore. But you know how much God wants his children, his church, to come to him and to ask, seek and knock for fresh help in time of trouble. So church, I want to say to you this morning, in this season, let's not rest on old power for new challenges. We, we have challenges. We have had a lot of change. We're seeking God to bring a new pastor along. We don't know what God wants us to do next. Let's come to him with a sense of urgency and expectation and say, Lord, come and meet us and lead us and fill us with boldness and courage and help us to discern your will. The second thing that we see about this prayer meeting is in verse 24, notice that they are praying together in unity. Notice that they lifted their voices together to God. They are there in one accord. And this obviously refers to the state of their hearts of being knitted together, uh, praying together. There's no one sort of pulling in different directions, but they are in submission to one another and surrender to one another, and they are praying with one voice in one accord. How important it is for a church to come together in one voice and pray together. You know, some might ask, well, you know, can't I just you know, pray by myself? Can't I just pray at home? And of course you can pray at home. God hears all of our prayers and he sees our prayer in secret. But praying together as a community, there is something about praying together as a community of believers that unifies and encourages and strengthens, especially when faith is weak and faltering. You know, I know for me, oftentimes there'll be a Sunday morning that I'm preparing to come up and preach, and I feel so weak, sometimes so cold, sometimes so stale. And I think to myself, man, the people the church, they need to hear a word from the Lord today because they're coming in from their week and they're coming, you know, with all of their things, they're coming into church and they actually need to hear from God and they need to hear from his word. And right now I'm feeling so cold and so stale. How am I going to bring the word to them today? But I have this little appointment with a colleague, with Ben Taylor at about 
8.30. And he comes into my office and we begin to just pray. And it's like raw prayer. It's not very fancy. It's raw prayer. It's like, Lord, help. Lord, would you work among us today? And Ben prays for me and I pray for him. And I'll tell you, we walk out of that office different men. We walk out of there because there's something about Something powerful that happens when brothers and sisters, they pray together in one voice. You know, it's so important that you have a community of people that you are able to pray with. You know, the Lord's Prayer, it doesn't start with my father, does it? It starts with our father. There's a sense of community uh, that we come together to him. And we're emboldened as we pray for one another. So I want to encourage you to create a culture here at this church that when you're talking to people after the service or something, you hear about their needs, uh, you might often say something like this. You might say, hey, I'm gonna, I'll pray for you this week. Why don't you pray for them then? Why don't you pray for them right, right there and then? Because you know what that would do? Maybe you should ask, can I pray for you now? I'm sure they'll say yes. But pray because what that will do is that will help them right there and then to hear in a brother or sister's mouth their need going up to God. And that will fill their heart. That will lift their soul. That will encourage their spirit. We need to see that culture grow all the more of lifting up one another, interceding for one another in prayer as we gather together. The third thing that we see about this prayer meeting is that it is focused on the size of God, not the size of the problem. It's focused on the size of God compared to the size of the problem. Have a look. Verse 24 through 27, it says, They lifted their voices together to God, and they said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea in everything and everything in them. Now think about it. Peter and John, they've been arrested by Jewish leaders. They are under the microscope of the establishment. They are watching them like a hawks. But who are they compared to the maker of heaven and earth? Now they go on here in this prayer to quote Psalm 2. And Psalm 2 is all about how the nations rage and they plot against God's anointed one. And of course, God's anointed one was ultimately Jesus. But Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Jews and the Gentiles gathered against him when Jesus came, but they're no match for God. And so what we see here is that their prayer is focused on God, and he is so much bigger and so much greater than any earthly ruler or any opposition. You know, sometimes our prayer life becomes so weak because we're focused so much on the size of our problems and not the size of our God. And we need to lift our eyes to God, otherwise everything about our life feels impossible. It feels like there's no next step that you can take because the problem's too big. But when we start to focus our attention on the glory of God, on the greatness of God, on the size of God, that he knows all things and is above all things, our heart begins to believe and trust that God is in control and that God is bigger than our problems. Well, tacked on to that one is verse 28 and point number four. Our prayer's confidence is in God's sovereignty. You know, there's incredible irony here, here is that Herod and Pilate, they think, they think that, uh, you know, they had Jesus. They thought that they, you know, surrounded him. 
But notice in verse 28, it says that it was predestined to take place. It was predestined to take place. Nothing stands in the way of God's plan. And this is the confidence that we can have in prayer. When we go to God in prayer, we can trust that he works all things together for the good of those who love him and accord according to his purpose. We pray with that kind of confidence. We trust in him. And so number five, we see about this prayer meeting that the prayer is passionate about God's priorities. It's passionate about God's priorities. Have a look at verse 29. And now, Lord, they say, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed. I've found that when prayer is lacking in the church, when it's at a low ebb, usually whatever prayer there is becomes focused on our priorities. We, we tend to just pray for ourselves. And, but the thing is, is that prayer that truly works is prayer that is passionate about God's priorities. I'm really challenged about this. As I think about my own life, I think, you know, your prayer life will be a reflection of what's going on in your heart and how willing you are to actually surrender your life and allow God to do all that he wants to do in your life. And so praying God's priorities is basically saying something like this, God, I want what you want. I want what you want. That's the, the prayer of surrender. It's the prayer of becoming passionate and desirous of what God wants in your life and what he wants for our church and what he wants for our ministry. You know, we see the example for this in the Apostle Paul. In Colossians 4 verse 3, Paul said something like this. He said, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door to us for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. I find this fascinating that Paul's prayer was not to get out of prison. I mean, that would have been a good prayer. Lord, break me out of here. It's horrible in here. But instead, he doesn't pray for an open prison door. He prays for an open door for the word, for the gospel to go. Now, we don't get this perspective without communing with God, without communing with God in prayer. Again, in 2 Thessalonians 3, Paul says, finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored. Paul didn't want it to just go far. He wanted it to be honored in the hearts of people. Is that your desire? Do you want what God wants? Do you want his word to be honored in your heart because what it's doing is actually flowing out in a life of worship and obedience and trust? Do you want the word to speed ahead and also be honored in the hearts of other people? Or are your priorities in other places? I know, I know how easy it is to make our priorities about everything else but the business of God and what he wants for our lives. Well, number six and the final one is we see about this prayer meeting is that the prayer was in the name of Jesus. Jesus is the one who had secured their salvation. Jesus is the one who died in their place. Jesus is the one who was resurrected. 
And it's in his name that they pray. It's through his access to the Father that they pray. It's in Jesus' name that they pray. You know, this is what we need to realize when we come to God in prayer is that the only reason we can come to God our Father is because God the Father sent Jesus, the Son, who opened up access to him. And we know that through Jesus we have these open channels of communication that we can go in his name and pray according to his will. And so the heart of the church, the prayer of the church, everything about the church needs to burn for Christ and needs to be about Christ and be glorifying the name of Jesus Christ. And so verse 31 summarizes everything that happened because of these thing, elements that happened in the prayer meeting. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. They're emboldened and they're strengthened for ministry because they are not resting on old power for new challenges. They're together with one voice. They're praying according to God's size, not the size of their problems. They're passionately praying his priorities and they're praying in Jesus' name. You know, there are many things that God has for us to do as a church and many things that are there in this next season for us to trust him in. We can either seek to trust him or we can try and plan ourselves out of the box and see if we can find our way through every need in our own strength. The truth is, that's a dangerous business. We need to seek the Lord Jesus, the head of the church. And this is why prayer is our most important work. Prayer is our most important work. Praying is power. And so I want to encourage you and and ask you even, for the next month or so in the life of the church, if you might join together with me and in a special way turn your face toward God with greater purpose and with greater intention. We're going to be praying together, in fact, tonight at 5 p.m. up in the office next door and it's late notice, so I know you might not be able to come, but I want to welcome you. I want to open that door to you to come. Perhaps it might be what you need at the moment in your life because it seems like you've, perhaps your face has been turned away from God and perhaps you, you need to actually come and be encouraged by other brothers and sisters in Christ and seek the Lord for your own life and for the church. But aside from tonight, in a couple of weeks' time, on Sunday the 21st of May, so two weeks' time, we're going to have a special night of prayer for the church. At 5 p.m., we're going to have it here in the ballroom because we're going to expect bigger. Expect big. We're going to invite you to come out. We'd love you to come out to mark it down in your diaries now and actually plan to be there so that as a church, we can be in one voice together and seek the Lord for the direction of the church and that our priorities would be His. I'm so conscious of this at the moment. You know, recently I've found myself as I think about the various challenges that we have, as I think about all the things that we could do, there's such a temptation to be like, oh, well, you know, let's just plan our way out of this and try and take control and seize control. But I've realized I don't want to do that. I want 
the priorities of this church to be God's priorities. And so I want to ask you to join with me and turn your face to the Lord with me. This week I'm going to email out some more uh, ways that you can participate in prayer throughout this month through community groups and various things like that. But right now I thought what would be a good thing to do is we're just going to take a few moments to actually pray together. And so I want to just invite you now to just in groups of maybe four or five, just turn around and uh, someone lead out in prayer. Um, And you don't have to pray if you don't feel comfortable to pray, but but perhaps just introduce yourself to the person around you. And then someone lead. And I want you to pray like this. I want you to pray uh, the size of God, the glory of God first. And that we might get in line with his priorities for the church. We want what you want, God. And then, if you would, move to begin and pray for some of the needs, for more ministry space in the church that we're looking for, for the associate pastor, the two services and our unity together as a church, and that the word of God would speed ahead and be honoured by all and we'd see more people come to faith. So why don't you do that now? Turn around, take a few moments.